So what was it like growing up together, guys? Come on, I grew up in child facilities and foster homes. We still had a good time. You want to know what it's like? Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll give you a little taste. You ever, you ever play the game Got You Last? No. Oh, it's great, man. All right, what you do is you hit each other back and forth. Boom, 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 boom. Until one guy gets the other guy really good. Bang! And then you run away and you say, Got you last. And then the other guy chases after you and tries to get you back, and then it starts all over again. It's a good time. It's a lot of fun. Except for when you play it with Sam. Because you know what Sam would do? I would finally get him once, real good. And I'd run off. But he wouldn't chase after me. And then I would live in fear for hours, sometimes even days, wondering when big bad Sam was going to attack me. And you know, you know what your brother from another mother would do? He would set his alarm for 3 a.m. and walk into my room when I was still sleeping and slap the shit out of me. And I'd be laying there looking up at this monster and he'd lean down and he'd say, got you last. Now that's the funnest game that we ever played. The rest, I keep between myself and my therapist. Grow up. Kiss my ass, Sam. Got your last. You all right? I'm gonna kill you! Identified this man, Edgar Rodriguez. Welcome back to the Deep Six Wrestling Podcast. My name's Pat, if you're new here, and you won't be hearing from me for the rest of the episode. Instead, today we have a very special treat for you. Um, not really almost a year in the making, basically half a year in the making. Ever since last summer's WWE pay-per-view event, The Horror Show at Extreme Rules, we've been waiting for Ryan to take care of his punishment. And what was his punishment, you may say? Well, his punishment was to watch five of the worst WWE Studios films in terms of their Rotten Tomato uh, critic score. And so basically, we picked the five, we handed it to him, and we said, look, you gotta watch all five of these, you gotta do a review for all five of these. It's taken him several months, but here we are, mid-January of 2021, and he's did it. He did it. He really did it. I can't believe it, but he did. And so, for the next hour, or however long you decide to listen to this podcast, you'll be hearing from Ryan as he reviews films such as Leprechaun Origins, starring Hornswoggle, The Reunion, starring John Cena, and See No Evil starring Caden. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn, grab a beer, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy Ryan's review. Reviews, I should say, plural. It's reviews. It's multiple movies. Oh, well. Enjoy his reviews of the five truly remarkable masterpiece quality films from WWE Studios. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome back to the Deep Six Podcast. Uh, this is Ryan, uh, and I am recording my... This is my punishment from the the horror show at Extreme Rules uh, from July... Uh, what was it in July? July 19th, 2020. Um, yeah, so uh, this punishment's a little overdue. Uh, and since... Uh, I had nothing else to do this weekend. I decided, hey, let's knock out these 
these five horrible movies that I need to watch. Uh, so the punishment was uh, to watch uh, the five lowest scored WWE films with an actual wrestler part of it. Uh, that wasn't like a sequel to uh, something that was like a direct-to-DVD thing. Like uh, no... Uh, um, I, I don't know the, uh, what The Condemned 2 got or all the Marine movies. Um, but uh, the five movies that I had to do were um, as follows. Uh, so they were... Um, let's see. Uh, the Condemned, starring Steve Austin, uh, which had a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Knucklehead, starring... Uh, Mr. Big Show, uh, See No Evil, or Knucklehead was at 10%, by the way, See No Evil starring Kane at 9%, The Reunion starring John Cena at 8%, and Leprechaun Origins at 0% starring Hornswoggle. Um, so, we'll start off with Condemned. I have a little brief summary of what I thought, and I'll give my, my star ratings at the end. It'll be, uh, Zero, or, well, I, yeah, zero to five stars. Um, and, yeah, uh, we're starting off with The Condemned, and this was the highest rated movie in this, uh, 15%. Uh, and all I have written here is, uh, <laughs> how do you give someone a green light to film a TV show without ever knowing what it was until the day of, um, yeah, hours before they decide to do an interview with the person, and they're like, oh, okay. And it seemed to be that this is the person who's, like, greenlighting the whole project, and then at the end, it turns out this is just a random interviewer who was there. Um, yeah. Um, Steve Austin, uh, well, when they introduce Steve Austin's character, he's supposed to be, like, uh, just a feeder to... This giant six foot seven man, um, and the giant six foot seven man uh, just hits uh, the first guy in the neck once, and then right in the head, and that guy's dead. Um, and then Steve Austin just does basically the same thing to the six foot seven guy, and yeah, apparently two hits can kill a guy. Uh huh. Um, but then later on in the film, uh, it takes much more, um, including well, we'll get to it. Um, there's just uh, a lot of blatant racism, uh, in this film. Um, also, uh, apparently, uh, you can be a mainstream internet company that is just like, oh yeah, you know what? We will, ha we have enough money to buy a bunch of death row criminals from across the world, including extras, just in case. Um, uh, we're also allowed to put bombs on them and, and have eat them kill each other for sport. Yep. Um, good thing in this thing is uh, Black Betty, the great the great song. Uh, Black Betty is uh, in the film. Um, it's a cover version, and yeah. Um, Steve Austin gets thrown out of a helicopter uh, while he is handcuffed, and uh, his feet are cuffed as well. Uh, they throw him onto land. Instead, they were th everybody else they were throwing into the ocean. Uh, he pissed off a guy, so they were just like, here, we'll just throw you onto land. Um, 
they also gave everybody else a key. They didn't give Steve Austin his key. Um, Steve Austin lands on the ground, uh, rolls, hits his head a few times, just stands up like nothing happened. Uh, makes sense. Um, also, he then finds somebody else, uh, and they give him uh, their key because, you know, he didn't kill them. Um, and apparently it's the same key for both locks and for everybody's locks. It makes total sense here. Um, the explosions, so each of them have bombs or C4 strapped to their ankles. Um, and like if it goes off, it blows up like it was a car, uh, that like got shot. It's just silly. Um, so later in the film, they're like, these guys are, they all knew that torture and murder is going to happen, but then a rape starts happening and everybody's like, oh man, this is too much. We've gone too far. And like people are throwing up over it, but then like they're still zooming in as they do this and trying to get other angles at it. And then they're like, oh yeah, I didn't think this was going to happen. Going to have a guy who they brag about at the beginning of the film about how he has, I believe, nine rapes or sexual assaults in this uh, beforehand, um, which is why he got kicked out of the special forces in uh, the UK. Um, but yeah, once he, uh, in this thing, they weren't expecting that to happen. Yep, that makes sense. Um, also, uh, multiple people are, uh, so the guy who's in charge of the show is like, oh, is, how is everybody feeling about this, about the rape going on? And at least three people are like, I love this, this, this is great, uh, I love my job uh, about this. Every, every single person in this film is horrible. Um, also, this is a huge island that they have, and they drop people all across the island, but somehow they were all on top of each other the rest of the whole movie. Makes zero sense. Um, also, uh, they really want you to feel bad for, like, the wife of the, the guy who's in charge of the filming and everything, um, even though she signed on for it and knew about everything, um, was happy to be there. Uh, and also they try to make you feel bad about Steve Austin's character because, you know, he was a good guy, even though he got released from the Pentagon and was just doing, like, hired mercenary work and blowing up buildings and stuff. Um, and they also made sure to try to make uh, the head cameraman feel um, like he should be redeemed, even though, you know, he went along with this. He didn't. He, he tried to stop at the beginning because he was like, "Oh, I don't have enough cameras to go across the whole island." Um, and again, he said they knew he was, was signing up for. He knew that there's going to be murder and torture and all this stuff. But again, at the rape, he was like, oh, I, "I can't do this anymore." Um, also, uh, so at the end, there's a final fight, and. Uh, Throughout the movie, they like kept on marking people out uh, on the scoreboard so people knew if they died or not, if you were watching. Um, and apparently, um, like they wouldn't mark people out unless they were caught on camera dead. 
Um, and like their beats sometimes delays as well. Uh, but when Steve Austin's character like hits water and is just face down in the water for like maybe a second or two on screen, they immediately mark him out and just give the guy, the other guy, uh, the winnings. Uh, then it comes out that they had rigged it so he would win. They kept on giving him supply drops throughout the time, and he thought they were random, but no, they were trying to give it to this specific person, um, who then uh, decides he uh, he wants to murder everybody else. Uh, so he does, except for Steve Austin, uh, the main uh, guy uh, who was filming, because he got away, um, and uh, the main guy's wife. Um, yeah, um... And then everybody else is, like, as he's doing this, he's, they're, like, complaining and being like, oh, show us mercy, even though they were, they set this whole up, the whole thing up. Um, and then Steve Austin shows up, uh, shoots the main, or the, the uh, guy he, who he was down to the final two with, uh, shoots him, like, six or seven times in the heart or chest area, and, like, the guy just keeps on, like, shaking and, like, acting like he's surviving each bullet, which makes no sense. Um, also he, again, Steve Austin is supposed to be like super injured after this. He took a beating for 30 hours, basically. Um, and the main, the, the guy who filmed everything and was in charge of the whole game, uh, sh show, like had left the, the area of like five, at least five minutes in like real time. Uh, I don't know how long in story time it was. Um, but somehow Steve Austin knew exactly where he was going, even though he never saw him leave, um, and catches up, uh, goes dual wielding, just shooting randomly, not even looking like he's aiming, somehow damages the cop, the helicopter that the guy got on, and then the wife of the guy who set everything up, uh, gives Steve Austin a bomb, and Steve Austin, like, pulls the plug and everything, throws it at, and somehow it lands right next to, uh, right on the helicopter, right next to the guy, uh, and blows up. And, yeah, uh, this is a stupid ending. Um, I gave this .5 stars out of 5. Uh, after this, we got Knucklehead. Uh, or, according to some places, WWE's Knucklehead. Um... Starts off with uh, Jan from The Office is in this film. That's cool. Um, they're doing a little uh, pageant at this orphanage uh, of this all-boys orphanage. Um, and it's the Wizard of Oz. Um, and some kid got injured or sick. Uh, and so they had to replace him with 35-year-old Big Show. Uh, Big Show is playing this guy named Walter Crunk, who apparently is a 35-year-old orphan uh, that they just never got rid of because he's big and strong and he can do chores. Um, and they don't have to pay for it, so... Yes. Um, then the Big sh Big Show ruins everything because, like, he's too heavy for the lift and he's playing the... Uh, Glenda the Good Witch, and he's like on this little rope, and he it breaks, it can't hold him, and so he just goes flying around and hitting, knocking over the set. Um, then he's cooking, and he's like, "Oh, hey, I need to go to the bathroom really bad. Can you can you make sure everything's okay?" And this kid who they've already established does not stop playing his Game Boy. It's like, oh, okay, sure. And he just continues playing his Game Boy 
boy, even though a fire starts, kid doesn't care that the fire started. He just continues playing. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, then the nun, uh, the head nun in charge, starts to uh, threaten uh, the big show because uh, she has the the grace of God, um, and she also threatens a uh, the the health inspector who comes to make sure the orphanage is okay after the fire, uh, and she says that oh if you upset. If you upset me, you're also upsetting God, so then you're going to hell. And it's like, no, you're running a, sh- a shitty place. You can't can't do that. Um, yeah, so thought, okay, maybe this is going to be a religious movie. It's, it's not. Um, so then this MMA fighter trainer uh, comes in, and he's like, oh, I see Walter Cronkey. He's going to be big. Uh, and so he starts showing him his, like, the nun and Jan uh, and Big Show, like, what he does and how he trains people. Uh, and throughout this, they're just showing a random ass shot of Jan for no apparent reason. Doesn't do anything for the film. It's just weird. Um, also, the Big Show's wig in this movie is absolutely awful. It's horrible. It's, it sh- should not have been a thing. Um, so they're trying to get promotional pictures for Big Show, uh, as, like, this menacing thing. Uh, Beast and Eddie, the trainer, is like, hey, can you make a a mean face? And Walter, Big Show, is just like, hi, and waves. And that's, that's not a face, come on. You, you, You can be dumb, but, like, you know that saying hi is not a face. Um... Later, he's in his first fight, he starts getting punched in the waist area, uh, and in order to protect himself from these punches, uh, he ducks lower and bends himself over and covers his face with his hands to protect his face, even though he's getting hit in the waist. Uh, they say that there's no, the one rule is no shots to the back of the neck and no gut, uh, groin shots. Uh, the guy punches Big Show in the groin, uh, and doesn't get DQ'd. Good. Um, later they are driving a bus and the engine goes and Jan crashes it into a telephone pole that is in the middle of a, like, cornfield. Uh, and then it starts smoking and it gets on fire. They all run away and then the bus blows up comically. Uh, and also the telephone pole disappeared when it sh- shows back at the uh, explosion area. Cool. That makes logical sense. Um, then they go to um, this child's house who is running an illegal fighting ring. Um, and the big show attacks the, uh, the dad thinking that's a fighter. Um, and no charges are pressed, no cops are called, nothing. They just accept it. Um, also this child, uh, sexually harasses Jan at every point. Her name's not Jan in this movie, I believe it's Mary, but we're just gonna call her Jan because that's, that's why I think of her, is she's Jan from The Office. Um, keeps on calling her sweet cheeks and sweet thang, um, and licking his lips every time he sees her. Yep. Uh, then we find out that uh, Jan was actually a stripper before working at the orphanage. Cool. 
then we find out that Big Show's next opponent is Bare Knuckle Dave, who ends up being a bear. Yep. Uh, Big Show sh- ends up shaving his head, and now he, l- aka getting rid of his wig, uh, and showing off his actual tattoos, and yeah, it's basically the Big Show from now on. Um, the bear is really bad CGI at multiple points, or it's just like a stuffed bear at points. It's, it's really stupid looking. Um, Tina, who is Mary's old co-worker, uh, Jan's old co-worker and stripper friend, uh, is like really overly attracted to Big Show for no apparent reason. Um, Big Show gets stuck on a public bus. Um, in their toilet, uh, and so they kick them all off, uh, they also have to stop the bus, uh, and, like, call emergency people, uh, to get them off, uh, to, like, air it out, uh, and rescue him, and the firefighter goes up to him, he's like, hey man, I don't think we can get you out, we're gonna have to use the jaws of life, and Big Show says, I'm sorry about that, as he's crying, and instead of using the jaws of life, they just get a really long rope and then pull him out and Big Show's ass shows. And, you know, Vince McMahon, uh, as I said in this, this is a Vince McMahon wet dream. There's poop jokes, there's fart jokes. Uh, later on, there's a ton of penis and ball jokes. Um, and for our second movie in a row, we have sexual assault jokes. Because, yes, that's that's what we need. Um, so they go to a rest stop uh, to get gas and some snacks. Uh, and these bikers come over. And the one biker tries to have his way with Jan while the other two watch. Um, and the other one of the other ones tries to join in. Um, and, like... They're trying to play off these two bikers as like their com- their comedy that because they're like, oh yeah, what's shaking sweet cheeks and keep on saying like really cliche sexual harassment lines as they're doing this. Yes. Then they just steal after Big Show beats up all the bikers, uh, they just steal their bike and leave. Um, again, no cops called, nothing. Um, they go to a, uh, random campground area to get some, uh, sleep, and that's when they find out that Eddie claims that he was, uh, stopped wrestling, or stopped, uh, doing MMA because, uh, he had testicular, extreme testicular trauma. And that's where all the penis and ball jokes happen, and it's stupid. Uh, Then they make fun of, uh, they get to New Orleans, which is where they were trying to get to the whole time. Uh, And Jan refuses to drink because she doesn't like to anymore. Um, And uh, Eddie makes a joke about her not drinking because she has a problem. Cool. Um... They get to New Orleans, they go to the, the tournament, and we find out they never registered to do this the entire time. Smart. Um, then in the middle of the final fight, there's just random music transitions, and at one point, there's two songs playing over each other, which is stupid. Uh, we also have a kidnapping of a child. 
for no apparent reason. Uh, and the nun who, the head nun shows up and, uh, apparently her cane that she's been using has been a taser the entire time. Cool. Uh, after Big Show wins, we find out that Eddie's dad had gotten the money from Eddie that they had raised and he was going to give it to the kids, but apparently they decided at the last minute that they're just going to give Eddie's dad a backstory that he's a, a horrible gambling addict and he's like, I'm sorry guys, I spent all the money on gambling and everybody's all upset with him and it's like, I'm sorry, you, you can't trust somebody who has a gambling addiction. And it's like, yeah, no shit, why didn't you tell us earlier? There's literally three minutes left in this film. And he's like, oh yeah, but I can't, I can't, uh, I can't resist a, a good underdog story. So your $4,000 became $80,000 on 20 to 1 odds. And, okay. Um, yeah, I gave this 0.5 out of 5. The story sucked, but there was a few laughs at the beginning of the film when you first see Big Show, and then it gets old real quick. Wasn't good. All right, next up is See No Evil. Um, there's no jump scares in this film. Every time there's a going to be a jump scare, you know it's going to happen because it cuts angles and cameras shots multiple times right before it happens. Um, so that that... Definitely feels like a WWE product. Um, also, one of the villains from Condemned is a villain. Well, you'd think he'd be a villain in this movie, but hey, we'll get to that. Um, so they tell him that he needs to mop the floors when they get to this hotel. And instead, he goes to the bathroom and just shoves the mop in the toilet and starts mopping the toilet. And then gets mad that he's mopping a toilet, even though they said mop the floors. Um, then they cut to one of the other girls in the movie who is using a broom to br sweep the walls. Because again, th that's how you use a broom. Um, when we get Kane's first kill in this film of one of the people in the current day, uh, he throws a hook, like a meat hook into the person's back um, and then starts reeling him in and he's struggling reeling him in but apparently when it cuts to it as he's reeling him in the hook actually got the person's foot even though it clearly was up near his neck um, and then once Kane finally reels him in after struggling for so t so much he easily picks the guy up and tosses him against the wall and knocks him out cool um also then he goes after this one late older lady and he just sticks his finger in her eye and her eye like explodes and then it comes back to a different angle and her eye is perfectly normal and now he has two fingers even though his one finger is shown to be clearly as big as her eye now two fingers can fit in her eye easily and rip her eye out cool um i have that the the these eye pull pull out scenes um are more realistic than when they removed ray mysterio's eye yes um 
Also, uh, so there's this fight, this sequence where he's uh, Kane is throwing uh, the dude from the condemned around against walls and stuff, and or I'm sorry, we'll go, we'll get to that. But first off, it's this girl Kira, who's like this girl that Kane sees showering. She has a big cross on her back, and so he like doesn't want to kill her. He just wants to kidnap her. Um, but he keeps on hitting her head against walls and stuff, and there's no cuts, no bruises, no injuries to her. She just, like, rubs her head and she's fine. Uh, but any time other than this scene, whenever he, like, had hit somebody against a wall, they, like, immediately, like, have blood gushing out of them, or they get knocked unconscious, or they die. It's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so I haven't written, uh... So a building that has been being renovated for months somehow has no progress done on it. Makes sense. Uh, and Kane's character was able to rig each room to a bell so that he can be behind the walls and know where people are at the whole time. How did nobody check these things that they're renovating the place? But we end up finding out that uh, the person who's in charge of renovating is actually Kane's mother in this film. Woohoo! So that's how that that got solved. Um, but still, it, you wouldn't question something if they're like, "Oh yeah, we've been renovating this for months, and it's almost open, but like, it's almost ready to be open." But you know, the top three or four floors can't be used. The entranceway is a mess. All the windows are still boarded up. Uh, yeah. Oh, and our electricity doesn't work in most of the place. Yep, we're almost ready to open. You're not going to question this. Okay. Um, Kane runs through a wall, or runs through a mirror, uh, and glass is clearly showed to like hit him at multiple points. No blood, no cuts, nothing. Um, then somebody he th- uh, drops somebody from a seven-story window. They establish it seven stories up. She crashes through a glass ceiling, Hits her head on the ground. There's blood coming out of her head. um, And she survives the fall. Makes sense. Um, Alright, so the guy from The Condemned. He's like a minor character in The Condemned. Um, His name is Baxter. He's like a mercenary that like is back up in case people try to get to... Uh, or get out of the zones. Um, in this, he's a main character. Uh, and he has been established that he abuses women, has raped one of the women in the, the, uh, that they're with, uh, has abused her, um, harasses women constantly, uh, and also stalks pe- women. They make him to be the redeemable person. Makes sense. Um, yeah, so uh, this guy, uh, Michael, is his name in this movie. And he's, at one point, him and this girl, Zoe, are like a few steps ahead of Kane. They turn a corner and somehow are able to hide inside of the walls of the room they get in. Uh, even though they're like maybe five steps ahead of Kane. Kane gets in there, doesn't know where anybody is. They were hidden so quickly. Makes sense. Uh, Then the girl's phone goes off. 
and he looks in the same cabinet that he just was in where she was inside the wall and apparently now when you open the door to that cabinet the wall is gone and she's just there uh, he then grabs the phone and lightly pushes it into her mouth and then grabs one finger and just pushes it a little bit more and it just goes down her throat and that's how she dies makes sense that's how phones work guys um also apparently uh uh whenever there's flies around that means that Kane's around because Kane controls bugs he controls the electricity in the place, if it flickers or not, if it works or not. And he can control where the elevators are stopping in this hotel. Cool. Also, he has a gunshot wound from four years ago that doesn't bleed, doesn't scab. It's just full of bugs and maggots. Cool. Uh, he starts jerking off to a girl being caged. Cool. Um, yeah. Um... If they decide to do an origin story or like another film in this franchise and Kane doesn't do it because he's a mayor or like a QAnon supporter and they're just like, nah, let's not do that because QAnon's bad and he probably supported the riots at the Capitol. Uh, you know who they're going to use? They're going to use Lars Sullivan. That's why I thought about this film. Um... Yeah, uh, so they finally push Kane out of a window, and they stab him with his eye out with a metal pipe, uh, and it just becomes really shitty CGI fall. He goes, crashes through the same glass ceiling, I believe, that the other girl fell through, but now the glass ceiling is, like, completely healed up again uh, and repaired. Uh, and then he lands on the ground and it zooms in and does it Mortal Kombat style fatality cartoon and everything of his heart and like or organs getting punctured. Stupid. Uh, the final scene is uh, Michael, the girl he had abused and raped in the past, or thanking him for saving her. Uh, and apologize and like forgiving him for everything he's ever done uh, and one of her friends uh, and her final line the final line is her saying you didn't have to come back for us and Michael says the whole reason he came back was because he didn't want to leave the building alone cool then there's an after credits scene <laughs> and it's just a dog pissing in Kane's eye uh, and, like, he moves a little bit, and it's like, oh, he's getting revived by dog piss. Great. Uh, I gave this one out of five stars. It's not great. Uh, next up is The Reunion, and I had the least faith for this movie of the other three movies I had previously seen. Um, starts off with a kid asking his dad, the day before a paper is due, what do you do for a living? And the kid has to be like eight or nine or maybe ten. Don't know what your dad does for a living? Sounds good. Um, uh, then one of the main characters, Doug, gets out of jail. He starts making out with this stripper girlfriend or wife of his uh, on top of their car. And her line is, before we run the ruin the paint or run the paint I don't remember 
uh, on this car. Why don't we go find a place that has a mattress in it? What a line. Um, so it doesn't explain how, like, how these ki- like, if these kids knew their dad before, but we know that Doug, the guy that just got out of prison, had never met his dad. He was an orphan. Um, and so, like, they don't, again, they don't explain this. They all meet at, up at the funeral of their dad, which nobody came to. And they're all making jokes about the, the dad, that he sucked and everything. Uh, so I just assumed that everybody was an orphan, except the girl who, like, was in the house that her dad owned. And like, oh, I, I miss you, daddy. And nope, apparently, it gets, it's, it's a very convoluted story with the, this family. Um, basically, John Cena... Uh, whose character's name is Sam, and this guy named Leo, they were brothers, or half-brothers, and they grew up together. And then, it's not indicated that Cena was ever, like, in the house with the girl, I think her name was Nina, but apparently they did, or they were all living together, except for Doug. Doug was just abandoned. Um, But... Yeah, it's weird. They don't ever explain this. Um, uh, Yeah. Um, So they're talking about reading for some reason during the funeral. And uh, Doug says, I need quiet when I read. He gave me a lot of that when I grew up. Everybody just dies of laughter over this. Stupid. Um then they there's a random kidnapping of the dad with that kid um in the middle of like a busy street and they just leave all the cars there and yeah nobody calls the cops or anything right away it's weird you'd think you'd get a ton of dna off of all the cars they left there um uh do do, do. Uh, a lot of questions because, again, they hadn't made it a point that all these guys knew who their dad was and, like, weren't orphans until, like, later on in the movie. Uh, John Cena then punches Leo in the face at the bar uh, that they're at. Um, no explanation at all. Just walks out. And, again, nobody called the cops over a guy just knocking somebody out almost with a punch. Cool. Then it's explained that one of the kidnappers is a bail somebody who jumped bail that Leo had given put money up for because he's a bail bondsman. Uh, they find out that uh, the guy, uh, his his girlfriend, is a, a stripper in Mexico named Angelina, and they're like, "Oh, that's gonna take forever," and. Then Leo's like, nah, it's a one-name thing, like Cher and Madonna. That's going to be real easy to find in Mexico. And like, I guess he... But then also claims that he goes to a lot of strip clubs all the time. And I feel like most like stereotypical stripper names are like one name, like Candy or Jasmine or something. Like, it's just one word all the time. You never hear somebody given a full name as a dancer. Uh, but apparently they get to Mexico City and there's just a billboard for her and telling exactly where she is. Cool. 
Uh, Leo is really annoying throughout this film, uh, and as I put it, he is like an American version of Cousin Roman from GTA 4. Uh, John Cena apparently snuck a gun into Mexico. You definitely can't do that. Uh, But then Leo does it later as well, Um, and it's kind of in uh in uh like brought up that leo doesn't even have a a license for this gun he just owns the gun because he wants to have it and again you definitely can't do that bringing like a, a gun an unregistered gun into mexico if you flew into the country uh or drove into the country i feel like you'd have to talk about that anyway um Edgar shows up to uh, the girlfriend stripper's uh, house as he she's having sex with Doug. Uh, and John Cena just shoots him in the back um, because he thinks he's going to shoot Doug. Um, and then steals his wallet. And apparently he just has a picture of some random girl in there that apparently when they go and investigate the girl... Uh, she was a childhood friend of his, and like they hadn't seen each other in years. Makes sense. Um, then somebody tries to bomb uh, their hotel later in the film. Um, don't know how they knew where they were living. Uh, also, everybody in this film knows exactly uh, knows where Edgar died, how he died. Across the world, FBI knows immediately, even though they weren't responsible for the death. Um, but then, uh, like, his family didn't know that he died. Makes no sense. Uh, great line in here. Um, they break into a weapons house, uh, a warehouse, and Leo opens the door. They turn the light on, and Leo says, This must have been what Charlton Heston's first wet dream looked like. Absolutely fantastic joke. I loved it. I laughed a lot. Um, Doug apparently worked as a ranch hand at a juvenile detention center. uh, And he touches a horse and knows exactly what injuries it's had, how it was beaten, uh, that it has internal bleeding and uh, broken ribs, all from just touching it. Makes sense. Uh, John Cena then jumps on top of a moving car. Uh, nobody in the car hears it. He opens the door of the car while it's still moving. Nobody hears it. He punches the passenger and then throws him out of the car. The driver doesn't hear it. He closes the door. The driver doesn't hear it. And then pulls out his gun, doesn't hear it, puts it up against his head, and then cocks it, and that's when he hears that somebody else is in the car. Makes sense. Uh, It's established that nobody in this film other than John Cena has used a gun before. However, they are extremely accurate. Um, Makes no sense. Uh, Sam, John Cena's character, gets shot in the arm. He sells it for a second, and then there's no blood that comes out. He's shooting. He's doing stuff all normally. Um, Yeah. Uh, Doug ends up getting shot or like wounded in his leg really badly and passes out on the side of the road. Um, nobody knew where he was. It was date middle of the day when it happened. And when it cuts to him next, they find him. It's the middle of the night. Uh, somehow he was able to survive that whole time. 
cool. Um, then the girl that they were with, uh, who was the girl in Edgar's wallet, uh, gets shot in like the arm or shoulder, uh, and just no sells it again. Um, and apparently Doug just has a bunch of girlfriends in this film and no doesn't care because there's the stripper girlfriend that he was friends with or that got him out of jail. Um, there's the stripper girlfriend, or the stripper girl they had sex with in Mexico, and now it's the girl that they were with the, uh, that helped them out. Uh, she ends up asking him to come back to Mexico for her. Cool. Uh, they get back to America and. Uh, they're having a beer, and Nina's there, and Nina says that the whole reason that they were there was each of them was going to get $3 million if they uh, started a family business together for two years. Uh, Nina then tells them that she's upset that they're all friends, uh, and that there was actually no money at all, that the dad had already spent it all. Uh, and then she gets mad that they're all friends together. The ending is awful. Um... The movie's got some good jokes um, and some really good chemistry. I gave it two out of five stars. It's a basic action movie for the most part. Finally, we have the final movie that I watched, and that is Leprechaun Origins. Now, this has a 0%, so I had no expectations. All I knew is that everybody I've ever heard, heard that has seen this movie has said it is one of the worst movies that they have ever seen, and it's one of the worst horror movies that they'd ever seen. Um, yeah, this isn't good. Um, so there's an opening scene, and it's these two people like running through the forest with a, a backpack, and it's jingling so you know it has gold. They're getting chased by something. It doesn't show you, but you, like, you know it's the leprechaun. Um, and... Uh, Remember, this movie is an origin story for the Leprechaun movies that were, like, Leprechaun in the Hood, Leprechaun 1, 2, I think there's, like, three or four of them other than Leprechaun in the Hood. Uh, it's an origin story to that, so there's already a familiar character, a familiar monster, a familiar image that you're with. The monster in this film is not that, so I don't know why they decide, hey, we're going to get this property and we're going to change the monster make it terrifying but not really it just looks like a like a weird monster thing it doesn't look like a leprechaun at all cool um so the one person's name it's spelled francois f-r-a-n-c-o-i-s they keep on calling him francis Okay, uh, also doesn't explain if they're supposed to be Irish or not, but there's not any accent, so I guess they weren't. Um, they, so then it cuts to the present day, and like they, they don't explain how long ago that, that incident with Frank, Francois Francis and the girl he was with was before the events of this movie. Um, but, like, you'd insinuate that that was a while ago. Apparently it wasn't. We'll get to it. Um, so these four college kids are in the back of, like, a, a truck. And the truck just stops in the middle of a field. It's like, oh, I won't go any further. And they're like, oh, why not? And he's like, I, I won't go any further. 
And he's like, okay, well, where, where's the town? And he's like, I'll just hike up this road 15 minutes. There's no road where he points to. It's just a field. And they're like, oh, okay, I see the road. There's no road. Um, there's just a guy in the field with a gun. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's creepy. And it's like, no, you know, if, it's a, if he's a farmer, that makes sense. Um, apparently this town they're going to is 300 years old, uh, and it's on maps and everything, but for some reason they decide never to make roads, but there's roads in the town and there's cars in the town, but they don't go anywhere. Again, makes fucking sense. Um, the one girl, Sophia, or Sof, or Soph, as they keep on calling her, um, is reading her her book of Ireland and she's like this doesn't make sense this this isn't what it says in here and they're like just come on get on with it uh they get into the pub and they start making fun of the people's accents and making fun of the town nothing to say hey we aren't intolerant Americans like doing that woo hoo um yeah uh, then they start talking about college plan or what they plan to do after college. And Sophia is just like, Hey, I plan on, you know, I might put off going to doc, getting my doctorate anymore. Like this whole reason that we came out here for me to do like history stuff. I, I don't think I want to do that anymore. And the one girl's like, you've wanted to do this since like you were two. She's like, yeah, well maybe I don't want to do it anymore. She decided, I guess on the middle of the trip. And it's like, oh, yeah, I think, you know, my boyfriend, Ben, who's on this trip with us, uh, he's move, he's going to Harvard uh, next year. So I'll probably just move out with him. And he is shocked because she definitely didn't tell him that. Uh, and he's like, oh, OK. Uh, so these two locals are like, oh, have you guys heard about the something? It's in Gaelic and I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I'm going to mess it up. Uh, but it turns out to be the stones of the gods, and the everybody's like, that sounds really scary. What about stones of the gods sounds scary? Um, they're like, oh, how far? He says it's like our hidden feature of this town, and they're like, oh, how far is it from here? And he says it's a hike of about seven hours, not seven miles, seven hours. That's not in your town. That's a whole country away it stayed away at that point um yeah um so they're driving uh to this cabin that they talk about uh that they there used to be a mining community the cave collapsed about 15 years ago things haven't been the same ever since it's why they all drink and again the americans are like it can't be that bad you have a watch Nothing like intolerant Americans. Woo! Um, then they make fun of the houses that they pass because they look too run down for them and they, they want something nicer. Cool. You're getting free housing. Stop this. Uh, so one of the girls, I forget her name, she is looking out the window and she sees movement. Um, and she's like, oh, I saw something move. And her boyfriend, Doug, is like... That's why they call it the woods. You know, there's lions and tigers and chickens and shits out there. 
Yes, because in the middle of Ireland, there's lions and tigers. Cool. I don't know how you got into college if you think that. Um, also, apparently, there, before this, uh, there was like movement outside the cabin. Uh, and the two locals are like, oh, it's just wild boars. Nothing like, oh, yeah, there's wild boars out here. It's going to be like, oh, that, that, that makes me feel safe. Uh, then the leprechaun attacks. Uh, he rips Doug's leg right open. And the, the group gets mad at Doug for not running as quick as them. Um, ben had tried to help him earlier and then just drops him on the ground and runs off. Cool. Um, they go to a farmhouse, they get to the basement, there's just a pile of random people's clothes and belongings, nobody questions it. Um, then they're looking through this book of, like, lore, Irish lore and a map, and they're like, oh, this is, these are the symbols that we saw on those rocks earlier, the monoliths, and it's just not the same symbols at all. Uh, there are two, like, Y symbols, and the symbol they point out is, like, a tree, Looks nothing like it. Um, the two locals find that these guys escaped. And they're like, no, you need to be fed to the leprechaun to give us, uh, let it rest so it doesn't attack us. Uh, but instead of fighting and like joining forces, they're like, nah, lock them in the basement. Makes sense. Again, uh, later... Uh, they end up getting out, uh, and they're running through, uh, the fields and forests again, and a car drives by, uh, and again, Doug is laying on the ground, he's out of breath, he can't walk, his leg is literally twisted in two, um, but he's able to climb into the, a very small glass hole, uh, in the trunk, uh, of this lady's car, um, Easier than it is for people to open doors and sit down in normal seats. Okay. Uh, she, the lady ends up stopping in the middle of the woods. Finds out she was with the local, two local guys who were trying to attack them and lock them in the cabin the whole time. I don't know how she knew exactly where these guys were going to be, but apparently she knew. Um, again, there are three... 20-something in-shape people attacking. One of the locals is a very old man. The lady is very old. Uh, the two old people are able to handle and knock out all three of the healthy 20-year-olds. Makes sense. Um, I also keep on talking about how the leprechaun is once they want to feed these people to the leprechaun. But then also the leprechaun is interested in gold, but he's not really. It's silly. Um, there's it doesn't make sense. Um, David ends up getting slashed open by the leprechaun as he's tied to a tree because the locals end up tying all four of them to different trees. But when he slashed open like his gut. Uh, he was also freed. He's bleeding out, gushing blood every second. He's able to somehow get up, walk away, again, with his messed up leg, find a machete, bring the machete back, and 
save everybody or help save everybody makes no sense then the leprechaun eats them cool so they're like oh you know what let's go back to the farmhouse let's try to kill this thing instead of leaving and so they come up with this plan and the one girl's gonna be outside to trap it or like to lure it into the building the other two are gonna stay inside the cabin and for some reason, the girl outside, like, slides herself in backwards, like, screaming. But, like, it's because the leprechaun pushed her in, and the two other people kill her instead. And then the leprechaun pulls her out and eats her. It's silly. Um, but they decide to cry over the fact that this happened, and, like, they blame themselves for this, even though, like, that's not something that normally would happen. Uh, so then they leave and they start running away uh, and they find a truck and they get in the truck but as they're running to the truck Sophia like trips and she jumps forward and like it looks like she's diving or like sliding head first in the home plate and Ben like looks back and just gets in the car and then Sophia gets up and she gets in the car and instead of being like, where are the key? Like, Ben's like, where's the keys? There's no keys in here. Sophia's like, why didn't you help me up? Why didn't you come back and try to get me? And he's like, you told me to get to the truck. And she's like, but you should help me. And, like, that's not the time for this. Uh, they end up going, they see one of the locals. Uh, and they're like, oh, he must have the key. And he's, like, dead on some farming equipment from earlier. Um, so Ben's like, you know what? I'll go get the keys. You stay here. I'll throw them to you and you can get out of here. And then all of a sudden the leprechaun gets in the flatbed of the truck and now he's on top of the truck and he's like clawing through the metal and his other hand is breaking the windshield. Uh, and then they're like, okay, we need to go. So they both get out of the truck at the same time while the, Leprechaun is still breaking through the glass and it cuts to above the uh, the truck and it's not there. It's nowhere in the truck anymore. What? But then <laughs> it cuts to the back of the truck. Oh man, the Leprechaun was in the flatbed the whole time even though it clearly wasn't from that scene right or the cut right beforehand. This is stupid. Um, yeah, uh, Ben ends up saving, sacrificing himself, um, and tells Sophia to go into the attic of the farmhouse. She gets into the attic of the farmhouse, and Sean, one of the locals, somehow knew exactly where they were going to be and comes to the rescue, and his dad, Hamish, the other local that has been trying to kill him, uh, ends up is like, oh, you can't let her go. We have to feed her to the, the leprechaun. And he's, Sean is like, he tells Sophia to run and he turns his gun on his dad and they start fighting. And then he pushes, he's like, I don't want you to become a murderer. Is that what you are now, dad? A murderer? And he's like, I'm just trying to save the town. And Sean pushes his dad down a flight of steps, uh, and like paralyzes him. And the leprechaun shows up and is like, oh, he's coming towards Sean. And then he hears his Hamish like being like, what's going on? Uh, and decides to go and eat him instead. Uh, yeah, 
so Sophia gets in the truck and drives away and is going pretty quick for the truck, probably like 20 miles per hour. <laughs> and somehow the leprechaun jumps on top of the truck. And it's like, how do you get from eating Hamish downstairs get back upstairs as he was injured after getting multiple gunshots to him? Uh, past Sean and like out of the house and on top of this truck. Um, doesn't make sense. Um, so she buckles herself, Sophia buckles herself up. She hits the brakes real hard, like fling the, uh, the leprechaun off the truck. And he makes like a really weird snapping sound as he like hits the ground. Uh, but he gets up because of course he does. Sophia is somehow concussed again, even though she was concussed earlier because she got hit in the back of the head by the old lady. Uh, and she's hit her head a few times on walls running away from the leprechaun. Uh, she should be dead just off the, the brain injury she suffered in this film. Um, she ends up running through the forest to get away from it as she's trying to get out of the boundaries um, that are apparently where these stone monoliths are. And she ends up tripping over the bag of gold from the beginning of the film that Francis and his girl, Catherine, I think her name was, were with at the beginning of the film. Apparently the leprechauns who are attracted to gold don't actually want the gold because they didn't take the bag from earlier. And it's implied that that was months, weeks, days, years before this. Um, so she ends up tripping and she crawls against this statue of like Mary and uh, she grabs some coins and the leprechaun's there and she's, she throws the coins up and says, and I quote, fuck you lucky charms. And then grabs a machete from the ground that was just there and cuts his head, the leprechaun's head open in half and it just explodes. Um, makes zero sense whatsoever. Uh, and then she gets up and runs away and she gets to the monolith and she's breathing heavily, and then she hears a growl from behind her, and she keeps on running, and it cuts back, and apparently it's this, like, the growls are from other leprechauns that are showing up, but the town only claimed that there was one, and makes no sense, because if the town has to feed a single leprechaun, they thought there was a single leprechaun there, and they just have to feed it every so often with people. Then how do all these other leprechauns get fed at the same time if there's only one eating at a time? Makes no sense. This movie sucked. On Letterboxd, I had to give it 0.5 stars out of 5. But in honesty, this is, what, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's the worst horror film I've ever seen. Zero out of 5. Um, this was an actual punishment. It... It wasted so much time of my little vacation that I've had. I hate this. I don't want to lose. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, fuck WWE because WWE screwed me and that's why I'm here. 